Thank you, Ellie, Martha. Well, Jesus does satisfy the longing heart. It is that longing sense of someone to care, a God to love, and that uh, we are in our study. And we have been in this study of how do we engage people in our culture. And we have looked at various uh, different religions. And so we are continuing tonight in uh, a religion that it may be unfamiliar to you. And this is the Unitarian Universalism, or Universalists. And so there's a congregation uh, just up on State Park Road. And uh, so I want to talk to you, uh, give you some idea about what they believe, and, uh, and kind of look into that. Um, it is a, a religion or a, a gathering of people that uh, has a, a fairly long history, as we're not thinking long as in uh, Judaism or Christianity or even Islam or even Buddhism, but it does go back a little ways. Uh, but as far as in our, t- our time, there are probably o- around 500,000 people who would identify as uh, universalists or Unitarian Universalists. Um, in the, the economic and uh, social indicators, the pattern of employment or home ownership, a level of education, and median family income, they are rank higher than many of the religions. Uh, they're higher than disciples of Christ, agnostics, congregationalists, or Episcopalians. Um, in the, uh, the college graduation, they are 49%, 49.5. Um, the study taken probably 10 or 15 years ago, Jews were 46 Roman Catholics were 20, LDS 19.2, and Baptist 10.4%. And so they have a a high degree of college education. In fact, inside the strata of government and power, uh, we have had since uh, 1790, eight Supreme Court justices who have claimed to be uh, Unitarian Universalists. In fact, uh, Thomas Jefferson claimed to be one in a letter. Uh, There was some doubt about what he really was. Um, Maybe a Maybe just like a, a loose deist. Well, what do they believe? Um, you may not know anyone who is in a Unitarian Universalist congregation. But if you do, I'd like you to know exactly where they come from and uh, what they follow, what type of creed they follow. Now, we're doing this all because we, we desire to uh, engage people with the gospel. We want to talk to them and to, uh, to be able to understand what they believe so that we might more succinctly and clearly and lovingly communicate what Christ has. And there are three things that we talk about when we're engaging people. Uh, kind of the three things that I've talked about almost each time uh, that we evaluate their religion or their cult. Uh, who can give me one of them? Yes. Their view of Christ is one of them. Do they view Christ as God? Now you're on the track. What else? Pop quiz. Their view of Scripture, the veracity of Scripture. Do they believe that Scripture is from God and it is infallible? And last thing, their view of salvation. Yes, justification, exactly. So we're looking, and so through that prism, we're going to walk through this. So um, they have no sacred text that they would call. Now, from Scientology to Christian science, there was a book or... Islam, the Quran, or you know, the, the Hebrew scriptures, 
they have no sacred text that they can point to. Christian science had at least the science and health and key to scriptures by Mary Baker Eddy, uh, but they have nothing that they point to. They really don't have a, a founder. Now, they have some thought leaders, and we're going to mention a few of those and kind of give some ideas, but they really don't have a founder that you can say. They say, our faith tradition is diverse and inclusive. This is from their website. We grew from a union of two radical Christian groups, the Universalists, I thought that was funny, too radical, uh, the Universalists, who organized in 1793, and the Unitarians, who organized in 1829, and uh, we'll go back a little bit in a few minutes. Uh, they joined to become the UUA in, in 1961. Both groups traced their roots in North America to early Massachusetts settlers and framers of the Constitution. Across the globe, our legacy reaches back centuries to liberal religious pioneers in England, Poland, and Transylvania. Today, Unitarian Universalists include people of many beliefs who share UU values and I'm not, this is not a pejorative, but they call themselves UUs because, yeah, we, we, we trip over it and they do also. We're all human, universalist, uni, unita, uh, wait, Unitarian Universalist, so it's common. You're not being mean or anything if you say, hey, uh, you're one of the UUs. They'll say, yeah, okay, so you can enjoy that with them. <laughs> so, you know, fortunately, you know, Baptists, Baptists, it's just one syllable word, okay, so we're okay with that. <laughs> Protestants. Well, that's a few more syllables. That's okay. So, um, today, Unitarians, Universalists include people of many beliefs who share UU values of peace, love, and understanding. We are creators of positive change in people and in the world. And so, um, two radical groups. Let's look, first of all, at the birth of Unitarianism. Unitarianism. Okay? So, kind of give you some ideas. I'm going to throw three names up on the screen and give you a little bit of their background. Unitarianism. Uh, Servetus, seen as the founder or the direct forerunner, uh, he was actually was burned at the stake for being an anti-Trinitarian. So, within the word, let me back up a screen, Unitarian. So, it is uni one, one God instead of Trinitarian, three in one. Three persons, one God. So, he was burned at the stake by uh, Catholics, I do believe, uh, for being an anti-Trinitarian in 1553. Uh, the next being Faustus Socinus, uh, from 1539 to 1604, organized and grew the anti-Trinitarian party. Basically, he disputed doctrines of Trinity, the deity of Christ, and other doctrines, and had a very religious tradition of debating the scriptures. Um, he claimed that the Bible... Uh, he claimed the Bible very much, but de- debated traditions. And he wrote one of the first works on biblical apologetics, even arguing for the truth of miracles and the general reliability of the Bible. This is interesting. Uh, Walter uh, Martin tells us this in The Kingdom of Cults, page 338. Uh, he appealed to reason and maintained that the Bible correctly understood and appealed to reason. However, he said, any interpretation of Scripture that contradicts right reason cannot be correctly uh, the correct exegesis of a text. Uh, Socinus would, would seek another interpretation that would produce interpretation of those passages, which is both internally consistent and which agrees with the general tenor of Scripture. So he placed reason, logic, above Scripture. Okay, So um, we'll delve into that a little bit later. But notice it was man's reason, uh, specifically the reason that he said himself, um, that was the measure upon which Scripture should be understood 
and exegeted. So there is a general bias for him. For Faustus, there was a general bias toward Scripture, but man's reason uh, trumped Scripture. Can I say that now? Okay. As the president said, so he, he trumped Scripture. Um, the last name there, John Biddle. So we have Servetus, Faustus, Asinus, and John Biddle. Uh, was the, the English uh, Unitarian. Uh, he lived from 1615 to 1662. He formed... Um, his opinion on the Trinity, and he was anti-Trinitarian, before reading Zacinus. Um, he wrote 12 arguments uh, drawn out of the Holy Scripture. He rejected the orthodox view of the Godhead. Um, his uh, writings, Confession of Faith Touching the Holy Trinity, according to the Scripture, was his answer from both Scripture and reason to the Trinity, which he said was both illogical and unbiblical. And so when he read Zacinus uh, and as he Treated the scripture as authoritative. Yeah, and that's interesting. These early people would say, this is the word of God, but you're understanding it wrong. And so my understanding has to match with reason, with my logic, so it must be right. And so this is the interpretation. And, which is an interesting distinctive because we'll get later on that that's not at all what they believe now. That's the beginning. Well, 19th century things started to change. There was a, we'll say, a slide. Um, I, Ralph uh, Waldo Emerson, uh, Transcendentalism. Um, basically, uh, this uh, Unitarian branch evolved into kind of a syncretistic blend of various global faiths and positions. Um, humanism kind of they started coming in. And then there was the merge, as we spoke of early, with Universalism. So we have the, uh, the anti-Trinitarians... There's not a trinity, just one, one God merging with the universalisms or universalists. So what did they believe? Well, very succinctly, um, universalism is, is the belief that through Christ, every single human soul shall be saved, leading to the restitution of all things. And this is the early de- definition of it. They would say, no one is excluded. It's universal salvation. And in the beginning, they would say, and this is 1793, well, that's all through Christ. Christ will somehow, at some point, bring everyone, no matter how they live, no matter who they are, bring everyone into heaven. So they, they were the universalist, universal salvation. Well, they merged, and so in 1961, as I read prior, uh, the American Unitarian Association was consolidated with the Universalist Church of America, and they came together with the Universalist, and they had, uh, they went from this symbol, and the cross was purposely a little off-centered, okay, in their writings, and they, uh, when merging with the Unitarian Universalists, they became they this symbol, which is the flaming chalice, okay, and they liked that uh, at the beginning of the service, and to, to, to really, to represent a very um, worshipful atmosphere, and so the chalice, uh, you, you, you drink out of it, it's kind of unusual, um, you don't see too many of these, but that's, that's what it is. So, what are their beliefs? What are their, their beliefs? Well, the, the uh, universal, Unitarian Universalists congregation affirm and promote seven principles, this is from their website, which we hold as strong values and moral guides. So, these are principles that are good values, strong values, and moral guides to how they live. And we're going to walk through these and... Uh, See where they lead us. Principle number one 
They believe their first principle is the inherent worth and dignity of every person. The inherent worth and dignity of every person. So what do they mean by that? Well, understand that in their beliefs, humans came by evolution. Okay? Um, There's a rejection of original sin. Each human has the natural abilities to do good. So each human, there is worth and dignity of every person. And we would say that's, that, that's good. But when you start to live it out in such a way that they are good, every man is good, and that's why they have inherent worth and dignity, they reject any sin nature. They reject any sin nature. So, second one. Justice, equity, and compassion in human relations. And they do a lot of good social work. And they would follow, and they would say they would follow, the good parts of various faith models. The good parts of Christianity, the good parts of, of Judaism they would follow, follow. The good parts of this, and so that we render to each one justice, equity, and compassion in hum, human relations. And that bleeds over into a lot of different things, um, Social justice, those kind of things that they would, would work out. Um, verse, uh, principle three, yeah, verse three. Principle three, acceptance of one another and encouragement to spiritual growth in our congregations. Third principle. So they would reject all religious exclusism. Easy for you to say. Man, this is twice today. They are not going to exclude anyone. See how I got around that one? There you go. Uh, They champion religious plurality and tolerance. So a big belief in tolerance, as long as they're tolerant of you, as long as you don't say your faith is the only one. That would be intolerant, so they are intolerant of you on that. So, And that works out in a lot of different ways. Um, uh, Faith positions... um, are encouraged, but not uh, mandatory. So you can say, I want to follow the teachings of a wise guru, whether it be in their thought, Jesus or Muhammad, but please do not insert those beliefs on the rest of us. So you may be sitting in a congregation with people who may not believe in any God, or may believe in a God, and they may, may believe that, that Jesus was a good teacher, or that Moses was the best teacher, and so we follow these practices. And so you may be sitting in congregation with many different beliefs. And that would be okay as long as you're not too strong on those beliefs. Do not, do not be assertive of your beliefs, but, but, all, but love everyone for that. Uh, verse, uh, principle four, uh, a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. And so some find the inspiration, going back to the religions, some find inspiration in religious books and others do not. Um, but as you find inspiration in many different books, so Psalms will be very inspiring. Proverbs might be inspiring, but also teaching. Um, other religious writings would be inspiring, and that would cause them, uh, you desire to cause them for, to search out truth and meaning, or to, um, to go to a higher plane of, of investigation. But please do not say that those books are infallible, because that would exclude the person sitting next to you who said, who had their own particular faith proposition. So it's open to a lot of different people coming in. 
Uh, Number five, principle number five, the right of conscience and the use of democratic process within our congregation and society at large. And this is where you have social social consciousness um, very heavily into protest and political action. Um, the, um, The local minister was supposed to be on a sabbatical, but the lady who was coming in to fill that sabbatical um, she and her wife were called to a church in D.C.? I think so, in D.C. Um, so he's back. He's, I kind of feel bad for him, actually. Uh, he was like a year away. He's going to study. And, and, and I think he had, he's, looking at his blog, he had some, some uh, protests planned uh, for, uh, for the refugees, different things like that. And he's, he's had to come back and be more full-time engaged in the, in the, the church there. But that's a, a big part um, I'll play a video in a little little while that just is just all um, those who are speaking about what they believe. And you'll see that one of them has a, a T-shirt on that says the religious left. And so they're very much um, into social justice and action and, and things like that. So it's, um, whereas we might say, um, you know, government is good, pray for our, the leaders in power, we're commanded to, uh, vote uh, biblical values. Um, we're not marching for more more taxes or less taxes. You know, in that sense, it's not quite such the the fervor because we see that we're we have a higher responsibility, and that's to the gospel. And so we may be talking to a conservative or a liberal, uh, and within within two or three conversations, or at the same table. And so we're not going to divide. Politics is not the main issue. The gospel is. We we lead with the gospel. They would lead with social consciousness as a principle. This is living out their faith. Six, the goal of world community um, with peace, liberty, and justice for all. That's the pursuit. Uh, The goal is all the world coming together with peace and liberty and justice for all. And So these are noble goals. These are noble goals, but they would see... Uh, that the extremes of any religion would hinder this world peace. And so that's why, if you understand why they're not quite so, um, they don't want anybody being dogmatic. And every faith uh, has its good parts, and so welcome them in. Um, so that's the, the principle, world peace. And who doesn't want peace, people to, to live together in harmony? That's, except for the sin nature, that would be, be happening. Uh, number seven, respect for the inter- interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part. Um, quotation here, the UU seek, uh, this is from um, uh, Walter Martin's book, the spiritual teaching of earth-centered traditions which celebrate the sacred circle of life and instruct us to live in harmony with the rhythms of nature. So um, social consciousness, but earth consciousness also. And so... I wanted to play you, this is, uh, hopefully it's not too long here. Um, I'm going to play you a video. If I have to stop it, I'll stop it. I'll keep watching my time. Um, and uh, here, let's see, are you seeing that? Hmm? All right, we'll press play. Hi, I'm Peter. Today we're going to look at what is Unitarian Universalism. Big, popular religion in America, but still... There are zillions of people who have no idea what Unitarian Universalism is or confuse it with something else, even though it's like in the top five religions according to U.S. Census data. These, these are a little old 
these are 2008 numbers. So it's dropped like 13. Amy, she's a minister to help out. Let's start with what are some of the misconceptions people have about Unitarian Universalism? People say it doesn't sound like a religion in that it just kind of sounds like a bunch of people who hang out together rather than like a spiritual community. There are the people who say, oh, Unitarian Universalism, that's the religion that uh, doesn't believe in anything, right? My own daughter, who grew up in my church, says that we don't have a religion because we don't have a God. So I don't argue with her. I don't know how common it is, but the one that pushes my buttons the most, I think, is the one that we're a New Age group. And then there are the people that say, Unitarian Universalism, that's the religion where you can believe anything you want. Well, that's not true either. That's what I used to tell people when I was a little kid. I think they just don't think that we're religious denominations. We get confused most often with the Unification Church. But there's also the Universal Life Church. There's Unity. Um, and those are the three big ones. Confusing your unis is like confusing a hat with a cat. A lot of people just don't know who we are, and they think we're this weird, radical, non-traditional kind of place. Um, and they don't know that we are a long-standing, historic religion, and it, it's sad. A lot of people don't realize that we are a religious denomination and that we've been around for centuries. It was commonly held that, um, that Jesus was here to save everyone, that, so universalism was very common in the beginning. And Unitarianism, the idea of the unity of God, goes back to the very beginning of Christianity and was only made heresy um, at the Council of Nicaea. And if they look in some old, even Christian Bibles and, and literature, they'll find that the Unitarian universes, well, the Unitarians and the universes have been around a long time. Well, I belong to a uni Unitarian Universalist church, and when they hear the term church, they automatically believe that it's um, a Christian church where people are being told what to believe. And that is the furthest from the truth. In fact, it's the exact opposite of what we are about. A lot of religions are biblically based. All right, The Bible is the book. Unitarian Universalists, a little different. Amy, what's the deal with you use in the Bible? Well, the Bible has been a very important part of our tradition because we do come from a Judeo-Christian tradition. And this is actually the Bible from a Unitarian congregation, which shows what an important part it is of our heritage. And even today, we draw inspiration from the Bible. Um, many people do not regard it as the only truth, however. We draw from other sources as well for inspiration. That means not just the book, but many books. So many books, so many sources of inspiration and wisdom. So does the fact that you have all these different books here, that Unitarian Universalists draw from all these sources, mean anyone who goes to one of our churches is a Buddhist, a pagan, a this, a that, or whatever? The wonderful thing is that there are people who identify as Buddhist or pagan or perhaps identify more as a transcendentalist like Emerson. But in, by being a part of a Unitarian Universalist Church, you're also exposed to so many different perspectives about life so that you don't become rigid about your own way of viewing the world. I like that it 
doesn't force anything upon people. We, where you can explore your your beliefs and that your where your beliefs can can change and that we're open and that we're open to have that happen. You can believe in God if you want to, but I personally don't. It's not like we're saying if you don't believe in this, this, and this, you can't be in our religion. Some Unitarian Universalists believe in God. What's interesting is that there are many different views of what that means. I've been able to deepen my faith and explore within Unitarian Universalism because we don't have a set theology or a set doctrine and dogma. At every point in my theological and spiritual journey, there has been room for me within this faith community. We are religious. We're just open, liberal religious. We respect the inherent worth and dignity of all people. We gain insight and in learning from other denominations and other religious practices. It's okay to explore different religious teachings and spiritual practices. In fact, we want you to. I've had the opportunity to explore um, what is in fact important to me, and I do that in a place that's non-judgmental. There is no creed or doctrine that I am uh, encouraged to follow. I am encouraged to think freely for myself, and in that space I've discovered that I'm actually a deeply spiritual person. I am who I am and the person that I am because of the values and the leadership experience that I've gained from being involved. I've always felt that I did not like the, some of the established religions that put you in a box. And with UU, it gives me a chance to explore different avenues of worship. I embrace everything and I'm embraced by everything and that's why I'm there. I'm more of someone who believes in individual spirituality. That's why I like the religion so much because it's more of an idealism because people aren't looked down upon because they believe in different things than others and there's really no, there really isn't someone who should be an outcast in our faith. I get something very powerful from gathering with other Unitarians, uh, that sense of belonging. We're here because we want you to find your spiritual home, what feels right for you, so you can be authentically who you are and make a difference in the world. I'm a Unitarian Universalist because of our uh, care for and concern about humanity, about uh, the planet, about uh, our, our direction. See, church to me is more than, more than Sunday service. Yeah, Sunday service is where we should come together, form a, a, a community, uh, and pool our money so that we can do something outside the church. I looked around the room and I saw all these amazing people that I had been with on the front lines of various protests and, and in all kinds of actions and uh, in the community. They were community leaders and I thought, ooh, these are people who care about you know, immigration issues and making peace in the world and seeking um, economic justice and um, they're just really cool people who have my same values. And they were sitting in the room and I thought, well, if church is okay for them, maybe it's okay for me. I'll pause there. And uh, so you, you kind of give a flavor. And you heard through, uh, this is a promotional video done by Peter and Amy there, the husband and wife. Um, but you start to see their understanding as they quoted themselves, many do not believe in God at all. And those who do hold, uh, who believe, hold a diverse understanding of who God is. Many different views of God. But they would reject the triune God of Scripture. What about Jesus? 
Some hold that Jesus is a great moral teacher. Others do not. Uh, they reject Christ's miracles, the virgin birth, and his bodily resurrection. What about their, the scripture, the revelations from God? Well, they find inspiration in, in various religions, various religious books, as well as the books and the philosophy. No religious book should be regarded as absolute. Okay? And you could tell this from, um, from almost every conversation in there. These were coming out. This is not just stuff you know you publish on your website as what you believe. This is their deep-felt, heartfelt beliefs. Um, man and sin. As humans are inherently good, they deny that people are born with sinful disposition. No sinful nature there. I thought this was interesting. The afterlife in heaven or hell. Most, but not all, deny any afterlife whatsoever. Most desire to create heaven on earth, and often through political activism. And, of course, there is no future judgment. And you heard that in the last lady who was speaking. People I was at protests, I, I saw them, if church is good for them, then I can go to that church also. So the very diverse um, understanding, and so we look to Scripture And Jesus is very exclusive when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Disagree with the Trinitarian God? No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. And so you begin to see, and maybe as an absolutist, I would... Uh, I, I try to place myself in that context, and it would be very disconcerting not to stand up and say, but it is absolute. This is what Jesus says. And it would be disconcerting to say, there are many roads leading to, to God. Somebody has to be lying. If all the religions of the books are stacked up, as, as she was talking about the different faiths, the, the books that draw inspiration, somebody has to be right and somebody has to be wrong of the writers. We come back to the point of Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, and of course, Scripture, all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for proof and correction and training in righteousness. And so discussion with someone who comes from a, um, a church like this is a little different than others. So if you're talking with um, someone who is Jewish, who practices Jewish faith, or um, Islam, you have a point of reference and context. Um, they even know and regard who Jesus is. If you're talking about Muslim, Jesus is a wonderful prophet. In fact, Jesus will return again someday. And you have a point of reference in which to speak, but here, Jesus may be a moral teacher, or he may not be at all, or the person next to you may not think that he existed. And so your conversations have to be very, very patient, very kind, but very persistent. And you also often have to go to uh, to, to call to their logic and say, okay, it, so who is right or wrong? Can, is it possible in this world for everyone to be right? If so, is there a God at all? 
is there, and so you have to walk through and speak to each issue. And so it's, it's, a, it's a conversation of many hours. And so if you, if you find someone, and you'll, if you have a neighbor or a friend who is a universalist unit, universalist unit, Unitarian Universalist, wait, she had trouble too, one of the people lady on the video, she almost misspoke. So, uh, universal uni, Unitarian Universalist, um, welcome them to coffee and the conversation about Jesus. And you start, I know you may not, but let me tell you, my belief, let me tell you about what Jesus said and did. And continue to draw to Scripture. More and more I'm convinced that as we interact with people, our friendship must drive them to Scripture, to who Jesus is, not to more friendship. If we only befriend them and do not speak of the gospel, we have done them a great disservice. But the, God, but the word of God has power. The word of God has great power. And so you, you open your Bible and you say, what, what do you think this verse says? And they may give you, well, I think it says this. And you may or may not agree with them. But let's talk about it. Let me tell you how a Christian would look at this. What do you think about this? Engage in the conversation. Bathe them in the word of God until the Holy Spirit begins to work into that heart and draw them to himself. I usually ask for questions now. However, this week I don't know that I can answer them. But if you have a question, I'll take one or two. I'll restate them for the, for the uh, recording. But uh, any questions? Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yes. What do you tell? Yeah. The question is, what do you tell the children in the you know, the nursery or the the children's ministry? What do you tell them? And it is very much of a, a be nice, be good. There's not really a moral absolute to tell them why, but because for world peace and for everybody else in the world, be nice and be good because you are. Um, and so they'll have fairs. You may have seen the Renaissance Fair and different things they'll do and. Um, to engage in community, very engaging people. Um, but yeah, they're, if you don't have a moral foundation of God giving you absolutes of law, you're kind of, oh, mommy, I don't want to be good. Well, okay. No, be good. There, there's no reason. There's no one to give. Anything else? Real quick. Jody? Hmm. Exactly. It's okay for you. Okay for me. You. Yeah. So we go back to prayer and the Word of God. One more. Hmm? 
if they reject the Bible, what is the basis for their justice? And, and that's where they would say the faith traditions that we have received teach us that we should love one another. And so they would be against capital punishment, would be against, um, uh, I, I don't know what they would think about the, um, the justice system and incarceration. Um, I not heard any or seen any readings on that, but it's hard to have a moral basis for anything if there's no absolutes there. So, prayer, God's word, conversation, scripture, scripture, scripture. All right, I hope it gives you a little more insight, gives you more opportunity. And then again, there again, as I've always said, you engage carefully, respectfully, lovingly, kindly. Those who do not see your faith, you're not going to win them by yelling at them, but you'll win them by a consistent testimony of love and of care and showing them Jesus. So hope it gives you a little more insight, and uh, you'll have those conversations. Let's bow for prayer. Gracious God, thank you for who you are, for your love and your mercy. Thank you that you indeed are a great and wonderful God. Thank you that we have the opportunity to see that your word that is true. And Father, you've given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. And so may we minister and care for our neighbors who do not know you. May we show them the love of Christ. May we show them that Christ was more than a good man and more than a good teacher, but was indeed the Son of God. And so may we, by your power, minister to others that you are glorified. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.